thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Healthy Shift Worker with your host, Audra Starkey. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. My name is Audrey Starkey and I'm here to help you to manage some of the toughest challenges we face whilst working 24-7. At the time, I'm actually recording this, we've just ticked over to another uh, new year. So I'd like to wish each and every one of you a happy and healthy 2018 as we embark on a brand spanking new year. If you are new to this podcast, uh, then I'd like to extend a special uh, welcome to you as well to say thank you so very much for joining us today. Now, today's episode is going to be all about a condition that I've touched a little bit on in previous episodes called sympathetic dominance, otherwise known as the fight and flight stress response of our nervous system, which is actually a condition that I do see in uh, many of my patients who work 24-7. Obviously, sleep deprivation is a big uh, driver behind this. And to talk more about sympathetic dominance, I have a guest on the show today who's actually written an entire book on on the topic called SD Protocol achieve greater health by learning to behave your physical sorry uh, learning to balance your physical chem- chemical and emotional well-being and that's Dr Wayne Todd from Sale in Victoria Dr Todd has been a practicing chiropractor for about 30 years and has also completed a range of postgraduate studies in order to help him to provide the best patient outcomes including a diploma in clinical neurology so to tell us more about sympathetic dominance what exactly is it and how we can move ourselves out of it I'd like to give a warm healthy shift worker welcome to Dr. Todd. Hello. Hey, Audra. How are you going? Yeah, great. Thank you. Really, really well. Happy New Year. And to you as well. It's my <laughs> pleasure being able to talk to a, a, a new group of listeners who may not be aware of the impacts of uh, the certain aspects of their nervous system and, and what far-reaching effects it can have on various other parts of their body. So happy to talk to you at, at length and answer, answer specific questions. And um, hopefully your listeners will get some information they can take home in, in an act and uh, make some changes in their life for the positive. Yeah, well, after reading your book, uh, probably about six months ago, um, when I first heard you through um, Cindy O'Meara, actually, whom I've been following for since about the 1990s, uh, yeah, after reading your book, uh, I just couldn't put it down. It was one of those um, amazing books. You have a beautiful art of being able to make complicated things sound quite easy to understand so I'm sure um, yeah our listeners are going to enjoy um, hearing you talk about it but I guess um, to, to kickstart the uh, podcast off I'd love to kind of hear your story uh, Wayne like how did you kind of you know go on to the path of becoming uh, a chiropractor and actually just before we went to air you were just telling me that your daughter's just um, recently graduated as well from chiropractic school but how did you yeah get involved into um, doing what you're doing today well, I guess, Audrey, I, I feel that I'm in a very privileged um, situation in life where it, I've always known what I wanted to do since mm-hmm. I was about five, five years of age. Wow. Uh, having uh, woke up with a wry neck one day, which is where your head's kinked off to the side and extreme pain, my dad in New Zealand happened to take me to a chiropractor uh, to have that problem rectified. And um, I stood up off the table at five and went, wow, I can move my head again, was my recollection. And as I want to do that one day, was what I thought as a five-year-old. So that's all I've ever wanted to do. So it's been my, I guess, it's been easy. My life has been simple because that's the direction I've wanted to follow. Um, So 
and obviously it went moved from New Zealand to Australia to study chiropractic and graduated in 1987 and have been practicing now for that makes it 30 years mm. uh, which has certainly been a, a really fun journey um, one of the, one of my missions is always to try and find the cause what is the cause what is the cause of this what is the cause of that and um, so part of that quest was to complete a, a two-year postgraduate functional neurology program, which there is a handful of us in Australia now who have that qualification that looks for, I guess, the, the underlying functional neurological reason why there are certain things going on within the body and looking at the cause, not merely just treating the symptom. And one of the – we have um, 21 practices that, that we run, and uh, in our main practice we had a – here in Sar, we had a holistic or environmental GP working with us for over 10 years who specialised in natural hormone balancing and seeing the work that he was doing with balancing hormones naturally and uh, fusing that with the functional neurology work that I've been doing and then 30 years in practice, seeing people go through major health problems and not really knowing why the heck that was happening in my early years of practice to have these revelations that the body is actually really simple. It all works together. And if you keep looking for the underlying root cause of any problem, you cannot go much further back than the primitive reflexic need of survival, which is what happens in the body when, it, when it's under a state of stress. We go into that fight or flight mechanism to keep us functioning, to keep us alive so we can survive as, a, as an individual. So that's our most primitive reflexogenic functioning activity in our nervous system. And what happens when that gets stuck or locked on? It's okay. We need to have a fight and flight mechanism if we are about to be attacked or stabbed when we should run away from that. Um, but, you know, mm. it's when that mechanism is stuck on for long periods of time that it creates significant other health impacts. When, we, when our uh, fight and flight mechanism is switched on, it switches off our parasympathetic nervous system. So our, let me just backtrack a little bit. Our autonomic nervous system is that part of our nervous system that controls everything in our body that happens automatically that we don't have to think about, secreting hormones, digesting food, reproducing immune system function, all those things happen automatically. So there's no conscious thought in that actually happening. So the, all of those, those good things that happen in our body are shut down when our fight and flight mechanism is switched on. So when our sympathetics are switched on, our parasympathetics are switched off. And parasympathetics control our ability to digest food, to reproduce, to heal anything, and to rest or to sleep, which is going to be really important for your listeners. But mm. a restful sleep is part of our parasympathetic nervous system function. And when our sympathetic nervous system is switched on, those other other good things get switched off, and it has to be. You can't you can't have both sympathetic and parasympathetic working at the same time. It's one or the other, generally speaking. So a lot of people, when you say to them, you know, stress creates that switched on sympathetic nervous system um, situation. Most people would say, "Oh, I'm not stressed." So what is what is stress? Stress can really be broken down into three basic categories: physical, chemical, and emotional stress. Daria, and when those systems, and it could be one or all of those, a combination of all of those that make a significant impact in someone's life. 
So, you know, I guess to give a, a classic example of that was a, a young lady that had read my book and came in to, to see me. She was 27. And uh, when I greeted her in the waiting room as a, as a new client, which I do, and, and took her to my room, she greeted me like a rock star. She was grabbing both hands and saying, so <laughs> nice to meet you, so nice to meet you. And she had my book in her hand and she had post-it notes everywhere stuck out of this thing. And she said, you've written this book about me. It's all about me. And she was, and I was like, oh. Should I, should, should, do you want to kiss the back of my hand? I'm thinking not, <laughs> not, not really. I was a bit overwhelmed with her. Yeah. Um, that, that, but anyhow, her situation was um, she'd had three stomach ulcers, 27, severe polycystic ovarian syndrome, infertility issues, IVF, um, on two lots of anti-anxiety medication, antidepressant medication. Uh, she said, you've written this book all about me. So once we went through with her what to do and to enact the, the protocol that we put into place, she did everything to the nth degree. And uh, I was looking after her for uh, two or three weeks and I was away for a week on holiday. My son, who's also a, a chiropractor, looked after her for that week that I was away. When I returned to practice, I walked in the room and I, I did a double take when I walked in the room. I said, Kylie. I hardly recognise you. And she said, yeah, my friends don't recognise me anymore either. I feel totally different. I look totally different in the mirror. Her whole persona had changed. She said, I feel amazing. I'm off my antidepressant medication. She said, my indigestion has settled down and improved. My bowel habits are now regular. She said, I feel amazing. This was in a matter of four or five weeks. And uh, then she said, oh, but, you know, yesterday wasn't such a good day, but generally I've been better. And I said, Kylie, what aren't you telling me? And she said, what do you mean? I said, something else is going on in your life that's holding you up from getting well. What is it? She said, I don't know. I said, yes, you do. You know, I don't. And I kept hassling her. And uh, she said, oh, could it be a shit marriage? <laughs> and I, said, I said, yes, Kylie, it could be a shit marriage. Tell me about your, your marriage. How shit has it been? And uh, she said, well, it's been like that for 10 years. And I said, hang on, you're 27, 28. Mm -hmm. I said, so... You've been married since a, a, a late teenager. And she said, yes. And I said, what did you see the day you walked down the aisle? Did you see your husband at the other end of the aisle? She said, no, I saw all my family and friends telling me not to do it. And I said, have, do you love him? She said, no. I said, have you ever loved him? She said, probably not really. And I said, why? And she said, well, he's mean, he's vindictive, he's this, he's that. And she reeled off a whole host of problems. And I said, you really need to, you know, for the best interest of you and your two kids that you've had through IVF and your husband, it would be great if you can get this to work. But I said, you know, and she, I said, do you ever see it working? She said, no, never. And uh, then she teared up and, and she said, oh, so how much magnesium should I be taking now? And she changed the subject. So mm. I wrote a few things down for her of what she should be doing, you know, specific recommendations. I said, Kylie, there's one more thing that you need. I said, you need to buy a can of Piss the Bastard off. <laughs> You know, I said, once you do that, I said, your health problems will disappear. And I said, if you can make this work, you need to make this work for everyone's best interest. But if you can't, I said, you need to stop fooling yourself and move on with your life in a positive direction because this is what's making you unwell, was that constant day in, day out emotional stress and load on her system. She changed her chemical balance. She changed her physical structure that we worked on. 
um, but she still had that emotional stress that was niggling away at her all the time. And uh, she did resolve that, that situation and uh, her health totally turned around. But it was identifying that that was one of her biggest key stress triggers. Uh, and that's, you know, that's my counselling 101 skills. Uh, they're not very, uh, not very um, um, delicate. But <laughs> sometimes we need to identify what is our biggest stressors. And often it's a combination of all. And if we look at the food side of the triangle, that's huge. And, you know, mm-hmm. we can be eating. We can be eating what we think is really healthy food, um, but is it really? You know, you look at uh, buying Roma tomatoes and those tomatoes could be harvested with the clean harvesting process. What is clean harvesting? Clean harvesting is when you spray the crop with Roundup to kill off the foliage so that you three days later when the foliage has died off, you pick all those tomatoes and then ripen them in a ripening house. So that's clean harvesting. How good for that is, is it for us? Uh, you know, if you look at things like Cotton all around the world is grown genetically modified cotton, and genetically, there's two gene markers that are used in the in the food industry and cropping industry uh, today around the world. And the one one gene marker is the Roundup Ready gene, uh, which is used widely in soybean products. Uh, but the other gene that's used in cotton is Gene 21T. And Gene 21T modifies the crop such that when the caterpillars and bugs eat that crop, their intestine hemorrhages and they die. So that they don't have to spray with pesticides on crops because they grow with Gene 21T, genetically modified crop. And so you think about cotton and you think, oh, well, at least we only wear cotton. But wrong. Cottonseed oil is the most prevalently used oil in the fast food industry around the world because it can be reheated multiple times before it breaks down. So we, if we're eating fast food, we're consuming fast food that's cooked in cottonseed oil that's grown with Gene 21T that causes intestinal hemorrhage in the bugs that eat that cotton. What does it do to us? Uh, it can't be great for our intestinal system. So, you know, we think we're eating well, we're eating healthy, but, you know, we need to know where our food sources are coming from. Um, you know, that's just one example. And then if we look at that physical side of the triangle, we look at technology and how that's driving our posture into a, a forward head posture, rounded shoulder posture. You travel on public transport anywhere, what percentage of people are sitting there or standing there on their phones, checking social media, checking oh, emails, yes. yep. their head down, driving them into a into a fight and flight posture. The fight and flight posture is rounded shoulders forward, ready to fight, head forward, ready to run. You have a look at any of your family and friends, look at their side-on posture, preferably without them knowing that you're doing that, and look, if you drew a straight line down, their ear should pass through it, and so too should their shoulder. For every centimetre that that ear is forward to the shoulder, the head doubles in weight and puts significant load on the muscles in the back of the neck and shoulder, which winds up additionally our sympathetic nervous system with that technology posture, technology-driven sympathetic wind-up. And then, of course, that emotional side of the triangle um, is it, it really the emotional stresses on our in our life can be past emotional stress, current emotional stress, or future emotional stress. Some people, it's worried about how they're going to make ends meet next week, next month, next year. Others, it's about what's going on at work, kids being bullied at school, people in a relationship that's not ideal, or past emotional stress where people have had stuff happen to them in their life that they have really great difficulty blocking out of their memory, Uh, stuff that's not great for a lot of people, and I certainly acknowledge that as an ongoing source of stress. So we need to identify that and work our way through that as best as possible to help to minimise that stress from all three sides of those triangles. triangles. Yeah, so... 
I guess what you're really saying, you know, Wayne, is that this the whole sympathetic dominance really is uh, the biggest driver is stress on an emotional, physical um, and chemical level. Is but, that what you're saying? Absolutely. That's yeah. That's, that's the summary. Yeah. Dominance is only three things that will cause it, physical, chemical or emotional stress. That's it. Yeah, and it's just addressing, uh, you know, some people may only have one of those of the triangle if they're lucky enough. Uh, others may have three parts of the triangle, um, which is why, you know, I really do love your work that you do. You just look at that whole holistic take um, on someone and, you know, on that individual um, yeah. basis and, and kind of take that in. And I guess, you know, as I kind of explain to my patients, um, you know, who all do work irregular hours, that is that they are, their bodies are biologically stressed, you know, before they've even kind of yes. set foot into exactly. a stressful workplace um, because of the, you know, that, that kind of um, sleep de- deprivation or that ongoing yes. sleep deprivation. It's not an acute thing. It's sort of an ongoing thing. But could you explain, I guess, some of, um, you know, that, that mechanisms behind, you know, how how, um, you know, sympathetic dominance impacts on our sleep as well, you know, kind of that vice versa? Sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, certainly, so someone when when they're sympathetically wound up, yeah. so in other words, they're waiting and they're ready and they're primed for attack neurologically. Their sympathetic nervous system is switched on to protect them. So uh, do you think that that individual's visual acuity and auditory acuity, in other words, their hearing and vision will be on high alert waiting to see what's going to come out of the bushes and attack them or and listening listening on edge so those individuals who are sympathetically wound up they're the individuals that are lying there in bed at night i'll use at night because if we're not talking we're not talking about yeah. shift work, they're trying to sleep during the day let's yeah. say someone's not a shift worker but you can apply this to shift work and magnify it by 20 yeah <laughs> so for someone who's lying in bed they're those individuals that nudge their partner and go what's that noise did someone's trying to break in did you hear that? Oh, I can't handle the curtains open. Oh, that moonlight. My God. There's the stars shining in just I can't sleep or that little bit of light or that standby light of the television. If you have a television in the bedroom, you've got to put a sticker over it because it's too bright. I can't handle it. And then you go to a stay in a hotel room and you've got to put a, a jumper over that alarm clock because it's just too bright. Um, that visual and auditory alertness, it's on high alert waiting for attack. So those are those individuals that sleep lightly, have vivid dreams, can't get to sleep. We've got to have a dark room, got to have no noise, earplugs in and eye shutters on, curtains pulled. Um, Those are the classic traits that you would see with someone who's sympathetically wound up. They're just wired and have great difficulty getting to sleep because if they fall asleep, they could be attacked. That's what the nervous system thinks. Mm. That's why it's primed and waiting. So, you know, you can reverse engineer that, where did that start and what started that? So... Uh, it's a it's a combination of um, both of those things. You know, w- if it started with that sensitivity to light, did it start with sympathetic wind up? Did it start with sleep deprivation? Well, sleep deprivation will actually put you into a sympathetic state because we actually need to get rest to have that parasympathetic nervous system fluffed to have it relaxed so it's calm we need that's part of that sleep mechanism is parasympathetic so if that's not being allowed to occur then that can tend to wind up our sympathetic nervous system in itself yeah so it leads to a whole host of other problems and conditions throughout the body and the more i've been in practice the the, the more 
unfortunately and so sad that it is that that um, at, from a health perspective, people get hooked up on finding a label for a problem, a diagnosis, a condition, a syndrome. Oh, I have that. That's what's wrong with me. But usually having that a name of a label is just a, a describing a symptom that someone has typically. But what caused that? It's not, you know, a, a classic example that I like using is polycystic ovarian syndrome. For your female listeners, you will understand what that is possibly or PCOS, it's often shortened to. Um, but essentially, uh, do you mind me delving into this order? No, go down? for it because, yeah, some of my clients so, yeah, have PCOS. Yeah, so, um, if you think about that cheetah that's oh, – not the cheetah. If you think about that gazelle that's being chased by a cheetah, that female gazelle, do you think it's thinking about releasing an egg to fall pregnant at the time when it's being chased? Mm. Probably probably not. So the, the signal to actually for the ovary to release an egg is given from the brain, from the hypothalamus. It sends a signal to the pituitary gland that releases hormones and tells the pituitary – tells the ovaries to release an egg. And so that happens every every month on a cyclical pattern when – when that individual is okay to fall pregnant, when it's under stress, the signal, the, it's not paramount for the brain to release that signal for the ovary to release an egg. So when an egg is not released from an ovary, they call that an anovulatory cycle. What happens when an egg is not released from the ovary? An ovary forms a cyst. That's why a cyst forms, because the egg wasn't released at that time. When that happens multiple months, we develop many cysts on the ovaries, which then becomes polycystic ovarian syndrome what happens with the wall of those cysts that haven't released an egg they generate high amounts of estrogen and testosterone two hormones a female can do without lots of estrogen's primary role is to thicken that endometrial lining and get it ready for the egg to implant if it's been fertilized so for someone who's becomes estrogen dominant high estrogen levels that endometrial lining becomes thicker and thicker and thicker so the periods get heavier closer together mid-cycle spotting clotting uterine fibroids breast tenderness polycystic breast formation all of that is being driven by high estrogen levels migraine headaches that are triggered at that particular time of the month cyclical times are typically associated with high estrogen levels testosterone that's also generated from the wall of that cyst that's not that where the egg was not released testosterone increases facial and body hair in a female unwanted most females don't want hair on the chin more than their more than their husband um, but you know often that can occur and because of those high testosterone levels but that's where that's being driven from but interestingly enough high estrogen levels when that um, the 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 wall of the cyst has generated high estrogen levels the high estrogen what that then does is it actually binds to receptor sites on cells to the same receptor sites that thyroxin does. And thyroxin is released from the thyroid gland to control our metabolism. So if we've got all these sites around a cell that is taken up by estrogen, thyroxin can't bind there. So our brain tells our thyroid to, hey, work harder, produce more thyroxin. So the thyroid gets bigger and bigger and bigger, but it can't work effectively. So then we develop what's called Hashimoto's thyroiditis or benign nodular goiter or an underactive thyroid or hypo, hypothyroidism, which creates a whole host of other symptoms, feeling cold, tired, dry skin, brittle nails, hair falling out, difficulty losing weight. All of those are signs of an underactive thyroid, which has been driven by high estrogen levels, which has been driven by the ovary being inhibited from releasing an egg. High estrogen levels and high adrenal levels, which are um, reduced, uh, high cortisol levels rather, that are re- released from the adrenal glands, both 
inhibit the pancreas from secreting insulin. Why would that be? Well, when we're running from a lion, we need more energy now. We need more sugar in circulation. So our pancreas becomes inhibited. So then we become pre-diabetic, insulin resistant. All of that is associated with the fact that we're running from a freaking lion or a cheetah. We don't want to release an egg. Then we get these flow-on effects. So you explain that to an individual and they go, no, but you don't understand. I've got polycystic ovarian syndrome. That's it's like no that's your symptom not your problem yeah. so we work on the problem which is calming the farm reducing the physical chemical and emotional load on that system and making them realize that there is no you're not getting chased by a wild lion yes exactly but that chase by a wild lion doesn't happen in our society here thankfully yep. but that chase from a wild lion may be eating foods that are causing inflammation in our system it yep. may be having a leaky gut membrane that's elevating our inflammatory cytokines and causing inflammation throughout our system it may be in a, in a shitty relationship it may be in a job we hate it may be having significantly poor posture it may be driving a vehicle, you know, if you're a shift worker working in a mine when you're in that slump position and the head's dropped forward, it's pushing you into that fight and flight posture. It may be just having a better postural awareness that will make a big difference to that individual. Um, you know, it's a combination of all of those things and that's what we talk about in the book and how to uh, create a better state of balance on that physical, chemical and emotional planes. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad that you sort of did mention about the diet because uh you know realistically you know i spent 20 years working shift work and, and we do we eat you know um crap food for a better word and i now call that i like to refer to it as the ssd um instead of the sad diet which is um obviously um i refer to it as the actual standard shift workers diet instead of the standard american diet which is yes. much of a muchness we do but that's because we get you know this trapped into this visual this vicious t- uh, cycle of being tired all the time so we tend to kind of reach for the um you know the quickest and fastest easiest food which is not always the you know the most nutritious it's high in carbohydrates it's you know processed carbohydrates and so forth and um yes. yeah and then we have also the just the circadian rhythm dysregulation itself the research has shown that that actually can uh, lead to intestinal permeability alone before we kind of even um, get onto the poor diet. So I'm glad that you have sort of mentioned that, yeah, the whole gut health is is definitely paramount or, you know, in one facet of, of improving or reducing this this whole sympathetic um, dominant load. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one, of, one of the most – well, all aspects are important, but it's yeah. one, of the, one of the key elements, absolutely. Identifying what foods may be leaking through your digestive membrane, causing inflammation in your system – removing those foods and eating a more healthy whole food diet but more particularly healing that gut lining you can change your diet but if your gut lining has been wrecked over a long period of time you've got to help it heal with probiotics bone broths micronutrient assistant powders to help that gut lining heal most proprietary brands of nutraceutical products have a, a gut health formula, mm. which has got um, you know glutamate, glutathione, slippery elm, marshmallow root, a number of um, micronutrients that assist that gut lining and healing. But one of the simplest, really most effective things is bone broth, making your own bone broth. It is amazing. And you can, of course, buy dehydrated organic bone broths now too, which are, are, are perhaps more convenient, slightly more costly way of um, getting that into your system. But making your own bone broths is a, is a fantastic assistance in helping that gut lining heal. Yeah, an acquired taste from those that drink coffee, but it's definitely a, a step. Oh, you know, you, some people, you know, quite happily drink it, drink it straight with a bit of, you know, perhaps sea salt and some pepper and yeah. um, 
but but you can what I get people to do is to put it in their their, their dishes they're making their soups their stir fries their casseroles um, that they're actually making to get it um, into them that way every day. Yeah, great. Yeah, great tip. Yeah, for those who are sort of yeah new to kind of drinking it um, straight. Uh, just uh, going back a little bit that you you did obviously talk um, a lot about posture in your book, being a mm-hmm. chiropractor. That's kind of what you're going to be doing, um, yeah. you know. But yeah, but given we are becoming you know this more and more kind of hunched um, mm-hmm. posture, you know, thanks to this. Um, you know, sitting sitting down or glued to the electronic devices or oh, particularly the iPhones as we were just touching on before we mm. went to air. Um, but how how is it that that posture is, you know, um, indicative of, of um, sympathetic dominance? Could you just explain that to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. As I mentioned, it's that fight and flight posture. So when, when your shoulders round forward, that stimulates or simulates to the brain that we're ready to fight and when our head drops forward of center gravity line we're ready to run so it's that that fight and flight posture it's a classic simplistic dead giveaway to assess someone's status of sympathetic wind-up is that forward head posture rounded shoulder posture Mm. you look at anyone when they're in that in that status it's very rare that i would see someone who's in a perfectly upright posture with their posture perfectly aligned their shoulders back um, who is significantly sympathetic dominant you just don't see that generally uh, so for someone who has that sympathetic wind-up, they will nearly always have that rounded shoulder, forward head posture. Mm, interesting. And you, I think you mentioned in your book about uh, lying on a, a foam roller, which sounds yeah, very Yeah, half foam sim- roller. Yeah, um, so that sounds can, similar to the bolsters that we use in yoga. Say again. So it's the same, uh, same kind of mechanism behind it. Sorry, just repeat that, Audra. Um, it sounds very similar to the bolsters that we use in yoga that we'll kind of put up um, sort of down the middle of our back to kind of stretch out our chest. So it's kind of doing yes. the same kind of mechanisms. Is that right? Exactly, exactly. Mm. So, I mean, you can get a full round foam roller or a half round foam, foam roller. Both will do the same thing. Most people, when they lie on both, generally find the half foam roller is perhaps more comfortable to lie on, yep. just a little lower in height. But, yeah, lying on your back, your head on it, your tailbone on it, your knees bent, feet flat, palms up. So which rotates the shoulders out and just opens up um, that upper body posture, dropping the head back in a neutral alignment. It passively aligns the spine and research has shown that you need to lie there for 15 minutes at a time. Twice a day is the optimal time frame to create a significant postural pattern interrupt to actually change that learnt postural pattern. So that's passively. And then actively, I get people to imagine they have a a hook screwed into their sternum or chest bone with a cable and a huge helium balloon that's lifting them off the ground by the chest. So lifting the chest up, which will pull the shoulders back, and then a gentle chin tuck, just to gently pull that chin in towards the neck, which will take that, that weight of the bowling ball, the head, back up on top of the spine Um, and you do that whenever you think about it two or three hundred times a day whenever you think about it Um, but you look at people sitting in a lounge chair for instance just mindlessly watching tv or relaxing watching a movie they'll often be sitting slightly slumped with their head forward put the head back on the headrest of your chair preferably have a recliner chair you can tilt the head back have the head rested back so when gravity's pushing you down to the ground it's actually pushing your head back into the headrest rather than your head down and the muscles at the back of your neck and shoulders having to hold that weight up, which is significant, the weight of a bowling ball. 
So, and, you know, sitting in a vehicle, in a car, how many times are uh, driving down the highway and, you know, dual lane highway, you look at the person that you're passing and they're hunched right over the steering wheel, head forward, and you think, oh, my God, get yourself back, get the head back, relax the neck and shoulders, hold the wheel in a slightly different position, bring that chest out, head back. Um, just, you know, being mindful in, in multiple different situations. When you're cleaning your teeth, bring your posture up. When you're sitting on the toilet, bring your posture up. Do it at multiple different times throughout the day to start to re-educate your postural pattern muscles. Mm, I've been doing that. I've been making all these adjustments while you've been talking about it. Wayne. <laughs> you're not on the toilet? Sorry? You're not on the toilet, though? No. <laughs> Not whilst actually recording this podcast. No, good. No. I just thought I needed to clarify that, Audrey. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, no, they sound like really good, um, yeah, practical st- uh, things that people can actually implement um, into their life. If you, yeah, you know, two lots of 15 minutes of lying down, that's, I think any shift worker would be more than happy to put, raise their hand to kind of do that. Um, <laughs> no problem. Yes. And couple couple that with putting some guided imagery or meditation onto a head into into your phone and plug a headset in while you're lying there on that um, okay. iPhone roller. Smiling Mind is an app that I, I recommend, and you possibly use that or other other another um, um, app. But there's over you know 250 meditations on that Smiling Mind app. Plugging something in that you can actually listen to that helps you switch your brain off as well, because that's very important. Being able to switch that busyness off mm-hmm. inside the head. Totally, and a great strategy, I think, for or one of the time for them to do, um, mm. yeah, just before going to bed, whatever that time uh, may be for them. But I guess um, just before we wind up, I guess for our for our sleep deprived listeners out there, um, you know, who who aren't able to kind of go to bed at the same time each night and get up at yes. the same time each day, which is ideally in the perfect world what we should be doing, yep. but it's very mm. unpractical. Uh, for our lifestyle um, in addition to those things that you just mentioned uh, Wayne what would be your I guess top three things for helping them to to calm their nervous system down yes. to kind of help shift them and reduce that severity of being stuck in um, that sympathetic dominant state okay all right perfect so a bedtime routine whatever bedtime that is yeah um, let's, let's go through that so lying on your posture pole putting some meditation in before you go to bed um, before you lie on the posture pole, uh, take some magnesium, partic- particularly a colloidal liquid magnesium is best absorbed by a poorly functioning intestinal system. So taking magnesium will help you sleep and it helps to support adrenal system that's overworking and it helps with many, many other functions, magnesium. So taking magnesium, lying on a posture pole, doing some meditation, Definitely, definitely no screen time, no no blue no blue light coming out of a phone, out of an iPad, out of a computer, out of a television for at least an hour before to, before hitting your head on the pillow. So reducing that blue light activation of the brain. Um, I also get people to wear red lenses, uh, which yes. filter, filter out blue light and yep, create yep. very soft, calming, low light affrontation to our brain to actually calm that visual nuclei down in our brainstem, which we talked about, that visual alertness, it's mm-hmm. on edge. So we calm that nuclei down with some red lenses. Um, yeah, so, so I guess they would be some simple things that some of your listeners may, may already be doing or may not be doing. So if there's even one of those things that you're not doing, add it into your mix 
add it into your mix. Another another thing, if you're if you're doing all of that, doing everything else you can within your power, and you're still having difficulty, obviously, I'm not sure, Audra, whether you talk to people about um, taking a melatonin supplement. Uh, yes, kind of yes and no. I, I just I'm kind of a little bit hesitant or reserved about it, only because it's a hormone. Um, mm-hmm. as opposed to kind of getting the body to kind of naturally, um, you know, produce its own melatonin. Um, yeah, levels, look, but look, yeah look, for extreme look, situations, look, it's the definitely best works to reset, well. To reset that rhythm is to get yeah. yourself out in the sun, to get yes. sun activation, to exactly. activate our mel- melanin in our skin, which converts to melatonin. Exactly. But I guess if you're up at, up at night, working at night, you're not getting any sun, you're not getting that melatonin activation, Um and then you're trying to go to bed when the sun is out, it's totally ballsed up. Uh, it, it's not actually creating that. If we go back to the caveman days, mm. the caveman wakes up when the sun comes up, he goes outside, he works out in the fields, he gets the sun activation, he gets plenty of melatonin generated in his system throughout the day. The sun goes down, the fire is burning with that red light coming out of the fire. Where the fire dies down, then he goes to sleep. Um, that's you know part of that mechanism of creating um, that sleep rhythm in our system with melatonin's effect. But if you're not getting that with uh, night shift, then that is a significant hormonal uh, retardant, I guess, to being able to sleep well. Mm. And I, I guess too, knowing that there's about, you know, researchers show there's about 400 times more melatonin in our gut than there is in our pineal gland uh, mm-hmm. goes to kind of help to reinforce the importance of gut health, uh, particularly yes. for shift workers to make sure that, yeah. you know, all those neurotransmitters Absolutely. can and, and, you know, serotonin, our, our happy hormone that makes yep. us feel good, 90% of that is produced yeah. in our gut as well. So if our gut's not happy, we're not producing good amounts of um, serotonin or melatonin or dopamine for that matter, our nice, happy, positive reward feel-good hormones, uh, we need a good functioning gut for those to be produced well. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, it's, it's all about trying to, um, yeah, be, be happy as much as we can and do, you know, the best job that we can while working these pretty crazy hours that we do because it's um it's certainly a, a tough career that many people are doing. There's, I know there's one and a half million Australians alone work shift work. Uh, so globally, um, it's a huge workforce of people. But um, yes, they they certainly have um, a lot of challenges up against them. But we need them because <laughs> the world oh, would literally absolutely. stop we're, spinning we're, if we. That, <laughs> I mean, you know, industry needs that for, to keep the wheels turning. And yeah. when you know people work those night shifts, sometimes they're working night shifts where they're getting a, a reasonable financial return for that, which then becomes part of their family's budget. Which then to move away from that then detracts from that. So there's all these pressures to maintain that that role and keep doing that so i understand that you know from many different factors that are involved in the ongoing nature and necessity of it but um putting into place some of these strategies may just assist those individuals in making it a bit more tolerable absolutely Uh, yeah exactly which is yeah why i really wanted to talk to you todd because it is it's all about the the focus um is just so important and making people aware that their nervous systems are in this heightened response and it's just paramount to include in their their daily um sort of uh, practice to look at at um 
working at finding ways to help kind of calm that whole uh, nervous system down and reduce the inflammation and all the effects that it has on their organs and and so forth but um yeah look it's it's been really really insightful uh wayne that daniel what you that you've shared with us today i'm i'm so so very grateful for you coming on and and, um chatting with it with us today but you're based down in sale in victoria and you mentioned before that you've you know you've actually got other practices around where can people kind of find more about about you your book because uh, yeah i really would recommend everyone go out and buying a copy of your book to begin with because uh, yeah it's amazing one one site where you can get a lot more information of that is our website that's associated with the book which okay. is www.sdprotocol.com.au sd for sympathetic dominance sdprotocol.com.au and on there you can obviously there's a shop on there where we have the book and we have red lenses and we have posture poles and we have the things and that um i when i wrote this book i was pretty much forced to write it by patients who um dragged me kicking and screaming to write it and and one thing i said that i would never do is i don't want to flog product that's not Mm. what i'm about it's information but once we actually got this information people like where do we get red lenses from and where do we get magnesium from and where do we get we just can you get it for us can you show us oh my goodness all right so we've got it all there you can have a look that's there but more importantly i've created there's about 30 video clips that i have on there of me talking about a number of different issues polycystic ovarian syndrome hypothyroidism anxiety depression um adrenal exhaustion there's a whole host of of topics there that you can click on those links and just have a listen to some of those topics some go for four or five minutes some go for 30 minutes so to get more information on that we've got free ebooks that you can download to get more information so that that site you can use as a resource to certainly um find out more information and do your own reading following on from that uh get a copy of the book or you know as a said we do have the products on there if people wish to um go that that next step and and assist them themselves in calming that sympathetic nervous system down Mm, sounds like a a plethora of excellent uh, information and if anyone's down actually in sale or melbourne around that area you know you are available for people to come in and see you in practice or you booked out six months out in advance there is a bit of a wait to get to see me but i'm i am happy to see people um you know today i had a lady that uh, that came in and that drove for um, six hours to to come and see me and um oh my goodness she gave me her history and every time she opened her mouth she threw another nail on her sd coffin i call it uh-huh. and i sitting there nodding and I you know she told me major investigations and surgeries and all stuff that that makes common sense when when you know the story mm. and then I added to that a whole host of other things she hadn't told me and then she burst into tears sobbing and saying why didn't I know about this I should have seen you years ago and and uh, and you know I said can I just give you a hug with everything you've been through um and I that just saddens me that 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 we have to go people you know go through their life getting symptom after symptom yep. suppressed with drugs or surgery to cut things out when it's often not necessary so on our website as well we have a, a practitioner a certified practitioner uh, list practitioner locator so i've trained uh, close to a thousand practitioners now in australia and uh, wow okay in the, in the, in the states and um uk um it's part of my i guess my life's mission now mm. is to just it's uh, it, frustrating because it's so simple how our body works and people are looking for the complexity and it's not actually complex once you understand the complex and you put it together you go ah that's how that's all happening 
and we can we can actually make changes at any point in that people's health timeline um, but the younger someone is in that health timeline the more impactful the changes that you will have so that they haven't had major catastrophic events occur throughout their life mm. Uh, mm. but yeah. anyhow if you have got a practitioner located there are practitioners all over the place that can help you with this work too ah that's brilliant because yeah and yeah we've got uh, i know i've got listeners all over australia and around the world um so yeah keep I'm doing what you're doing <laughs> So I'm happy to receive emails as well. You can send an email and um, I'm happy to communicate responses to those emails as well. Oh, great. Thank you. And your email is? It's on that. Uh, oh. Just on the SD protocol site. Just put hit contact us. And oh, it'll come. contact. Yeah. Yep. Great. Awesome. Well, look, this has been, um, as I said, it's been really, really in, in, insightful. I'll make sure that I include all the um, uh, details that you've shared on the show notes. But thank you so very much for joining me. Um, today, Wayne, I know that um, you know our listeners have probably gained a wealth of information um, for your insights on this really, really important uh, topic. As you said, it's quite simple, but if we don't know about it, then we we don't we can't change anything. So it's exactly. great that you've actually um, yeah kind of helped to kind of um, clarify it um, um, with us today. It's been my pleasure talking to you, Audra, and uh, I hope your listeners um, can make some changes to create some some positive impact in their life. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. Well, look, that's it for another edition of the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback and there are many ways you can do this via my Facebook page, The Healthy Shift Worker, through my website, healthyshiftworker.com, or you can visit The Wellness Couch at thewellnesscouch.com and leave a comment there. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to share it with other shift workers who you think may benefit and feel free to leave us a five-star rating in the iTunes store as this will help me to spread the healthy shift worker message to shift workers and organizations all around the world. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. Until next time, may you continue to be as healthy as you possibly can be despite working 24-7. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Couch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.